welcome back to Stacking Growth. I'm Sam Keenly, and today I'm joined by Sydney Waterfall. What's up, everybody? Yes, the best, the best duo in the world. So, yeah, today we're gonna make it a, a short one, quick and sweet, but something that I know is top of mind for a lot of people. So, uh, a lot of us are facing cutbacks in in your marketing budget or ad spend. Or you're just seeing you know, general demand is a little bit down as people are, are looking at the microeconomic situation and trying to figure out what to do. So as a marketer, how do you combat this? What should you be taking on if, if you don't have to if you don't have the levers to really grow that you think in terms of ad spend? So one thing that, that Sydney and I have been talking recently about is control what you can control in the sense of if you can focus on improving your current conversion rates at various points in the process, you can make what you're currently running more efficient. So then when demand does start to pick back up, budget does start to pick back up, then it's just putting fuel on a, on a hot burning fire already and then you'll be off to the races and seeing results in no time. So a uh, couple levers. Let's, let's break it down into, let's call it four levers. So the first one will be like website visitor to that initial hand raiser, right? So we can look at the website. Second one, we can think about, okay, what happens from the point of when you raise your hand to having that first call with sales. Third one can be post-discovery call to qualified opportunity. And the last one, qualified opportunity to closed one. So let's start at the first one, Sydney. Um, yeah. What do you think about when we get into the, the website? Any general best practices that you like to often recommend right off the bat or, or would say that if you aren't doing these now, you should explore adding them? Definitely. One caveat here is that anybody can do this, almost like any company. This is not reflective of your media budget or what programs you're running or anything. So I think this is super tactical advice like for any marketer or any any person in the in the company as well. So that's just my little PSA. Um, moving on. <laughs> so for levers, when you think about the website, you know, everybody lands on your homepage, you know, most of your traffic. So you should really be thinking about what is the primary CTA on my homepage? There should be a very clear path and primary CTA, not three CTAs above the fold. Um, and if you're really optimizing for what's going to drive revenue and what's going to drive your pipeline, like think about that when you someone comes to your site. Um, we definitely recommend only one CTA in the hero, not dual CTAs. Um, and even in the header um, or in the top nav too, try to focus on one CTA. I know companies that have product-led growth offerings and sales-led, they often like to do two, but a few things there. One, you can, if you have um, a personalization tool, or something like that that you already have. You can personalize the homepage to like return visitors or certain segments, things like that. So that's, you can personalize the CTA that way. Um, if you don't have that, um, totally fine. You can still have different calls to actions, but you need to be thoughtful about which pages it makes sense to put which CTAs on and then at what area in the page. So for example, maybe you lead with your strongest CTA, which maybe let's just say it's a demo request. And yes, you also have a free trial. And just as you scroll down mid page on the homepage, then maybe you talk about your free trial offering. So that's just like a, a total off the top head example. But um, 
being more thoughtful in that or even testing that. Um, you don't even need a testing tool. You can use Google Optimize for free. Um, so, you know, don't use that as an excuse, I would say. Yeah, <laughs> that's like I the first it. one that comes to mind just because that's like the entry point. Um, what about what about others you got, Sam? Yeah, I mean, just to hammer that point home, like we've all been trained. The top right on the website is where you go when you finally do want to get in touch. Um, make sure it's something that actually helps them get in touch with sales, not links to pre-recorded demos or or something else. But when you overcomplicate it with too many CTAs, I call it the Netflix effect. Like you have so many options, you don't know what to do, and you don't do anything at all. You're just like, well, shit. I sorry. Uh, wish that I had. Uh, Watch something tonight, can, but you don't end up watching it. We can swear it. on this this podcast. I'm pretty sure I've sweared multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the outtakes, yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, to stack on top of that, I'd then say the – I know so many people get concerned about the form. So when you do get to that, that big primary conversion point, you hit that page. Do I have five fields? Do I have six fields? What's the difference? What happens if I do it? Um, don't overcomplicate it. Don't overthink that one either. Usually just, you know, get their name, email company um how'd you hear about us we always love that one keep it short and sweet but um the big thing is really where i think we'll start to get into this next lever which is the the hand raiser into booking that first meeting so we like to recommend if, if you all don't use a tool like chili piper uh, don't have a partnership with them they just do a great job um, what that does is so many times, I mean, think back to any form you've ever filled out. Usually you fill out the form and then you get this lovely little note. We'll be in touch in two to four business days. It's like, okay, well, I'm on your website. I kind of wanted a demo now. That's why I'm here. Um, the companies that quickly adopted this tool where if you can't follow up with them ASAP or it's going to be a sales development rep that's going to be calling them out of the blue and then you have troubles with the you know getting in touch with them you you keep missing each other via phone you're playing email tag a uh, tool like chili piper makes it really easy to let them schedule the date the time of that call because then instead of an sdr calling them out of the blue when they can't talk they're in another meeting they're dropping their kids off at school whatever it may be if they know that they signed up for this demo in two days at nine in the morning i can bet you they're going to show up uh, with a much stronger likelihood than if you're trying to play tag and, and back and forth so that's one where, where I've seen uh, firsthand with a number of clients, we usually would start off with, I'll call it like a 20% attendance rate from the hand raiser to meeting booked. And again, these are people who want to talk to your sales team. Uh, got that up to 40 or 50% just for the implementation of this tool. It's, it's not complex. It's easy. Again, it's really, it's just making things more convenient for, for the prospect to get in touch with your sales team. Yeah, that's a great recommendation. It kind of, you're going to shift your mindset of, don't focus necessarily on speed to lead, like speed to like the first email going out or speed to the first phone call, like focus your mindset on like speed to meeting. Like if you can get that meeting scheduled within the first 30 seconds versus it's going to take you two to three days to even get that scheduled on the, on the calendar, um, that's going to a help reduce your sales cycle lengths. Um, which is a huge lever in pipeline velocity, but B, it's also just a better experience for your buyer and it's a better experience likely for your sales team too. Um, and, and a more efficient experience, uh, you know, your SDRs can, you know, focus on doing other activities that uh, will drive other results rather than trying to schedule a call with someone who already is just kind of admin support at that point. They just like need need to get that task done. One thing around um, 
like forms and meeting booking tools and all of that is I think sometimes you have to have a hard conversation with people internally around forms and you know whether it is implementing a meeting booking solution or whether it's reducing it but if if you're seriously you know thinking about how do we do more with less having that tough conversation of like all right you guys here's what we're going to do we're going to take the country field and the unnecessary fields you know some people that's like state and zip code and like all this information and you know what we're going to do we're going to let we're going to get the form fill and then if you need that later um or for routing or for whatever like maybe think about tailoring your internal process a little bit first in order to generate more high intent leads and then tailor that like at one of the past companies i was at before we actually implemented a meeting booking tool uh, which we did and it was great. Uh, but before that, we changed our process where we would have people post form fill manually like look up the country and make sure it was routed correctly. Like that's a better use to me of like a headcount rather than chasing down, you know, someone to book a meeting. And then we would just handle it internally on our back end, not bug the customer about it, not make sure, you know, they were feeling good about it. So sometimes you have to have those hard conversations about you're asking me to do more. You're not giving me like enough resources or enough X, Y, or Z. So here's what I recommend and why. And you kind of got to sometimes put your foot down and say, we're going to try it. And then like I'll report back out on the results of implementing a booking tool, changing the form, doing a combination of both. And, you know, we have pretty high confidence that it's not going to go backwards. <laughs> pretty high confidence is going to go forwards and it's going to net positive results for you. Um, so for whatever that. that's worth. <laughs> yeah. And I think that I like the way that you position it there is let's try it out. Let's test. Let's experiment with all these types of things. You can always revert back if something breaks for whatever reason. So you, like, you can always have that in your back pocket. Hey, if it doesn't go well, cool. We'll go back to what we were doing before. But otherwise, if we want to make progress, you have to try something different than before. Okay, so Sydney, meeting yes. book has happened. They they showed up. They spoke with the sales rep. How do you get them more efficiently over to a qualified opportunity from there? Or what are some of the things that you might be looking at? So obviously this is going to vary very much by company, but the first thing is look at your internal process. Like look at how many calls you're scheduling. Look at what is necessary, what is not, what can be delivered via async instead of a dedicated next steps meeting or something like that. Like really like audit your internal process from meeting book to the point where you need to get it uh, qualified, right? And a lot of times you'll, in your CRM, you're going to have um, your opportunity stages or that you can dig into and see at what points things are taking you know, how many days in between stage. Sometimes this is pre-opportunity, which you could still look at depending on how everything is set up, but really audit that um, and understand, okay, is there something we could deliver to the customer video format, a content format that's like educational that we can like speed this up? Or is there any other resources that sales traditionally would give in a presentation that we could kind of automate? in some way. 
Um, and then that's just an idea depending on what you find, but you will likely find that there's going to be one stage that's going to take a majority, like much longer average days in that stage versus your other stages. So we definitely recommend that you, um, at every opportunity stage, there's a date field um, associated with that and you implement that, put that into your workflow. So every time it moves to a stage, it stamps that individual date field. And then you can see what is the time between these, these stages. You can run formulas and workflows in your CRM to automate this into a field. Um, but it's super helpful to see all right, things are getting stuck at proposal and taking way too long from proposal to, um, I don't know, contract. I'm just making stage names up here. but um, And so like, what, why is that? Let's dig into that. Is it happening across the board? Is it in certain geos? Is it in certain segments? Is it with certain sales reps? Um, and then fixing that. Because again, I'm gonna go back to sales cycle length. Um, Sales cycle length is the biggest lever you have in pipeline velocity. So like mathematically. So yes, obviously win rates and you know size of deals are, are also levers, but sales cycle is gonna give you the biggest bang for your buck. And so if you can look at it this way and try to dig into your internal data, I think that's where you're gonna see like the fruits of your labor and larger impact for your time. And again, it's literally just focus and time and analysis that you need to put into this. There's no tool you need to get. There's no money, budget you need to spend. It's just blocking time for this. Yeah, I wish I had that 10 years ago. Kind of <laughs> Would have been so helpful then. All right, final one. So qualified opportunity to how do you finally win that deal? Uh, so the way I think about this is, uh, Two different ways. Uh, love me a good win-loss analysis. You can get so much goodness out of that. Um, so again, something free. Go and look at the last year's worth of data. Why are you winning deals? Why are you losing deals? Um, one thing you can do that like to take, why are we losing so many deals? First thing you do, create content based off of it. Again, um, just go write some blog posts, talk, make some videos about it, have sales reps record some looms that you can use, but proactively get ahead of a lot of the objections that come up in that sales process and use that in your marketing material. So, um, you know, you can show that to prospects, you can insert that in nurture sequences, but a lot of goodness that you can do there. So it doesn't fall on the, the sales reps shoulders to be the, the bearer of bad news and find that out when they get to stage five, when they could have learned it in stage one or, or something much earlier on. Um, aside from the content creation part of it, I would say, look at it also from your offer standpoint. So if you run a loss analysis and you find that your biggest buckets are lost due to price or lost due to functionality, you should probably be thinking about how do we update our roadmap moving forward. So if you're losing a lot of deals due to pricing, you should probably evaluate if your price point is right for the target market that you're going after, if you should evaluate increasing your price, decreasing your price, whatever that may be. Um, or if you're having no problems with price, but your market just wants more features functionality, that means you're usually underpricing yourself. So you actually need to start thinking about, okay, well, let's start building out this feature, that feature, get it built into the product roadmap. And then we can start capturing these people who love what we do, but we're just missing those, those key one to two items. So again, that's just developer hours internally. It has nothing to do with media spend, anything else, but creating those feedback loops with sales, with your product marketers, with your product developers, those can go, go a long way. 
Yeah, definitely. The insights around like pricing and packaging, like just in general, when loss analysis, something great to run every six months, um, maybe depending on your sales cycle, maybe even more frequently than that. Um, but you don't have to be a pricing and packaging guru. Okay. Like, you know, I'm not like, that's not my niche. Uh, that's not like something I'm super skilled in. But what you can do is run the data, run the analysis, and point out the problem. So you can point out the problem and say, hey, here's this analysis. Here's what I think is going on. Here's all this data that kind of supports that. Maybe you're not the pricing and packaging guru. Maybe you don't have any clue when it comes to pricing and packaging. But then you can go work with the team or the person who does and go to them with the data and say like, hey, I think this, we need to revisit this and like start you know, start like a mini, you know, committee of like, hey, we need to revisit this, get everyone in the room that needs to be in the room that is in charge of pricing and packaging and strategy. And, and that's a good takeaway. Like, I, I think some people back away from like strategy or pricing or even like product because they're like, oh, I'm not the product team. I don't know what's going on there. But you can still point out and share these insights with the rest of the company and Pricing and packaging is key, especially like right now when we're going through kind of a macroeconomic change in the world and our, um, depending on where you are in the world, it might be different time. Um, but that's also just like a trigger to go look at things, check on things. Um, you know, we did that here internally. Like we completely redid our pricing and packaging based on customer feedback, based on the changes happening. Um, so that's just a little PSA. <laughs> love it. So super actionable. Uh, those are our four big ones. We'd love to hear if other people have other ones that have worked well for them. Definitely reach out to us. Um, might have to do a part two where we could add into some posts how we'd expand upon this. So Definitely. hope this was helpful. Thank you, Sydney, for, for the lovely conversation. And looking forward to, to catching up next week again. Awesome. Sounds good.